Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. The Zone. An industry that feeds the world is definitely an industry worth talking about. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, it's trying to feed the world anyhow. We're going to follow up on day number one of the Pro Farmer Crop Tour, both the East and the West reporting in. That's one of the conversation topics we're likely to have with our friend John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing, who's joining us this morning. So glad that you're joining us on a Tuesday morning. I'm PM Yankee. Welcome in. Weather-wise for today, it looks like it's going to stay pretty warm. We'll still see sunshine around most of the state. Daytime highs today right around 83 degrees, a little warmer in the west. Tomorrow, partly sunny skies and 85. Thursday, sunny skies and 86 degrees. Stumach's got our weather coming your way. We need you and your rain gauge. It's time for the Rural Mutual Rainfall Report, and we need you to text your rainfall reports to 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Be sure and include your name and where you're reporting from, because every month we'll pick a winner that will get a digital weather station, courtesy of the Midwest Farm Report and Rural Mutual Insurance. Premiums paid here, stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. We might have fewer farmers overall across Wisconsin and the United States, but the need for ag education is growing precipitously because of technology and the fact that we got to feed a lot of people. Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn, and people are getting, Pam, very creative about these ag programs and reaching out to different students. Uh, you found kind of a unique situation. Yeah, it's kind of nice to know, Bob, that some of these school districts are aggressively looking at trying to address uh, educating students about the opportunity in agriculture, agribusiness, food science. And one area that's concentrating on that is the small school district of Sharon. That's in extreme southern Wisconsin, pretty close to the Illinois border. But there, there's a team of educators that are working on putting together a virtual charter school. I think a lot of school districts realized during the pandemic, you can get some things done virtually. And now Sarah Andrus, who is a doctor of education and the district administrator at the Sharon School District, says they want to follow through on what they learned during the pandemic and offer agriculture education, not just to students in Sharon, but potentially students that are beyond their borders. I got a chance to visit with her and asked her, just take me back. How did this all get started? Yeah, the conversation really started probably last fall, and we knew that we wanted to try something unique and different in order to bring more engagement with our students and families to the district. And we felt like we wanted to do something truly unique and needed the flexibility that a charter school could provide. Um, and as we, we contracted um, a grant writer, and she really dug in for us. And when she came back and we talked about themes of what made sense for our area, agriculture just kept coming to the top. And it just made total sense when she threw it at me. And as two former farm girls, we went, heck yeah, this is what we want to do um, because we both believe so much in the agricultural industry. We're in a farming community. Um, 
we just felt like we could help the area of agriculture in the state of Wisconsin with this really unique and awesome little school. Yeah, that sounds excellent. Now, she's speaking that uh, Sharon is a small community. She's at a, a tiny K-8 through eight, uh, school district. But the real novelty of what you're proposing in this uh, agri-science enterprise, Sarah, is the virtual element. I mean, you are kind of looking at opening this up to students really anywhere in Wisconsin, correct? Absolutely. If anything, we learned during COVID that uh, students learn in different ways. And we do have an on-site option if kids want to be here. We have a hybrid option if they want to do on-site and virtual. And we have a completely virtual option. So even if you're a kiddo and you are, you know, 200 miles away from us and your passion is plants and animals, then you can join us and be a part of our group. And really what we're going to be working on this year is developing a really rich project-based curriculum that works both in an in-person environment and in a virtual environment. And so thinking carefully through, you know, what will we have to create and what materials will students need to have. Um, And so we've actually contracted with Viveic, who is a big agricultural education company, um, that's going to help us with that process and write some really rich curriculum. What what grades are you trying to target with uh, with this curriculum? I'm I'm guessing you've got uh, at least one age element in your crosshairs. Oh yeah, right now we're starting with grades three through eight. Um, we didn't want to bite off more than we could chew out of the gate, um, and so I think in the future we're hoping to go down in grade level. Um, and potentially get a high school partner down the road um, to work with us. But here, you know, we know K-8 really well, and so we wanted to focus on what we know. Um, And we really felt like if you try to catch a kid and get them passionate about agriculture in high school, it's too late. And you've got to build that interest really early on. And kids naturally love agriculture, And so if we can expose them to more content and experiences with that, we feel like they're more likely to stick with it throughout their education and potentially join the agricultural industry uh, by exposing them to experiences, field trips, and also careers. As we learned through the grant writing process, there were way more opportunities in agriculture than even I was aware of having grown up on a farm. Um, just the food and beverage industry alone is such a giant and there's so much need there for employees that there's a really great opportunity here. Sarah Andrus is along with us. She's a doctor of education and district administrator with the Sharon School District uh, right on that Wisconsin-Illinois border. What has response been from other educators uh, when you bounce it off your peers, Sarah? What are, what are some of their responses? You know, everyone we've talked to thus far has been extremely supportive and excited about the opportunity. Uh, I think everyone recognizes the engagement possibilities for kids um, and the unique learning platform that we're providing is kind of cutting edge and something new that hasn't quite been done before. And they're excited to support us, and we've gotten lots of uh kind of design collaborators that have agreed to kick in and offer us suggestions, ideas, and feedback. And we're just really hoping to take advantage of 
all of these rich ag resources in Wisconsin to build something truly dynamic for kids, you know, including that element at, we're talking about having class potentially at the state fair or at the local county fairs to really take advantage of guest speakers and get hands-on when we can. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the things we don't know. You're a district administrator. There are a lot of uh, hoops that have to be jumped through when going down this kind of an educational path. And quite frankly, Sarah, you're going where no one's gone before. I'm guessing that's because there's some challenges. Tell me a little bit about some of the challenges that you and Valerie have had to kind of try to work together to overcome thus far. You know, I would say the biggest thing is just being willing to take that step into the unknown and handle each kind of piece of work as it comes. We're still learning all of the things from the state on the requirements they're placing on us for the charter school, and we're just making all these to-do lists and tackling them and reaching out to people that we know. Right now, I'd say our biggest challenge is finding our very first Uh, teacher for the school who will really be that person from the ground up that's going to help establish the program and recruit families and get the word out about us. And so that's our our current hurdle. I think everyone knows out there that's in the ag world that like agricultural teachers are getting harder to find. And we're kind of open to that and or a dynamic 1-8 teacher that's just interested in doing something unique and different. And I think right now that's our biggest challenge, but we are kind of moving ahead in terms of developing the curriculum so that when it comes to hiring somebody, we can show them more of what we're about and that they'll want to take that leap with us. Sure, sure. Talk to me a little bit about uh, um, the capacity for this kind of a charter school? Is there capacity? What are, what might we be looking at that way, Sarah? Um, in our first year, we're our goal is to try to get at least 25 students. Um, we can have more than that. We just have to hire, you know, teachers accordingly. Um, but next year, yes, yeah, our, our goal is to have at least 25, but we're hoping for 50. And long term, we're hoping to grow it as much as 200 or more, um, which, believe it or not, would be about equivalent to our on-site district kids we have now. <laughs> but, you know, we really think that if we build it, they will come. Um, and we've just got to do our work on our end on the planning. And, you know, and then at that point, it's telling people about it. Right. Now, you're covering grades uh, that are used to, you know, you've got, like you said, the state will put out requirements that have to be met. Are you thinking that this agriculture offering, is it going to cover some of the science requirements, the math requirements? I mean, I'm sure that's kind of in the back of your mind as well, Sarah. Absolutely. We will still meet all of the state standards in the core content areas, and we're trying to do that through an agri-science lens. And so we've even had conversations recently about how you teach social studies through ag. And the more we talked about it, the more we realized that it's actually not going to be that difficult because teaching, for example, Wisconsin history to third through fifth graders is all about the different industries in Wisconsin, Native Americans, um, and some you know, influential Wisconsinites. 
And all of those things tie back to agriculture. So those natural connections are already there, and it's just, I think, a matter of highlighting them and bringing them out. Um, And I think the one thing that people always say is, well, how do you teach multiplication? And I said, well, you know, that we might have to just teach a little more traditionally and then apply it to, you know, a project or an on-site learning opportunity so that they can see the purpose for it. Sure, sure. Well, it's an exciting project and one that we're going to be happy to watch. That's Dr. Sarah Andrus. She is the district administrator for the Sharon School District. Uh, Tiny K-8, through like she said, not a lot of kids necessarily, but boy, they've got some great ideas on how they are going to capitalize on what we've all learned through the virtual world, those hybrid classrooms that kids uh, got accustomed to during the pandemic and taking it one step further with AgriScience. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Recent rain and flooding can have an impact on your lawn and landscape. Repairing it is as easy as having Kalani Topsoil deliver the perfect blend of dirt to repair the washouts or build up berms to reroute the water leaving you with a Kalani topsoil, eye-catching lawn and landscape. Order it now to prevent washouts and further flooding damage. Visit KalaniTopsoil.com, or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Trust a worm to know good dirt when he eats it. Kalani topsoil. Now that's good dirt. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. I grew up on tour with my parents. Kind of different but we bonded over music just like other families do over sports, camping, or other interests. And we talked. Little everyday conversations from silly to serious that built a foundation over time. Honest conversations, like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. And I was so grateful that you and mom had become these sober, stable people who were always there for me. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs, whether it's music or anything else. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. At Tom's Auto Center, we like to say we're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Because we're one of the largest independent auto shops in the area. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. With 12 bays and a lively group of highly skilled mechanics, we're able to do just that. Tom'sAutoCenter.com. Tom's Auto Center. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. If your workout includes baling hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, I'm not sure comfortable is exactly the phrase you'll want to use today. We're going to start warming up a little bit, but again, here we are, the 17th day of August, and it's going to feel like that. Time to talk weather. Stu Mucker, Ag Meteorologist, joining us live this morning to give us the details as he sees it. So not much uh kind of causing any commotion overnight, huh, Stu? Just looking forward to a little bit more of a warm-up today, huh? 
Yeah, just a little bit warmer today, a degree or so warmer tomorrow. Nothing drastic, Pam. We're not in for a major heat wave. Yes, the humidity is going to slowly continue to rise, but not to that unbearable, you know, cut the air with a knife situation. It's just going to get warmer and feel more summery. Low pressures over to the east, heading in the New England states, all around Ohio, heading toward western Pennsylvania this morning. There's some scattered light rain there all the way up into New England and all the way down to the southeast. Uh, Fred going to cause some problems, a lot more rain in the southeast U.S. as well. Off to our west and north where we normally see activity starting to brew for us. Nothing out there. Some rain up into southern Canada, northern parts of Idaho and Montana this morning. Expecting now as low pressure finally tries to approach out of the north as we head toward late this week that that's when we'll start to see some rain chance around. But today and tomorrow, still beautiful days, plenty of sunshine, mild air temps at or a little bit above normal, not hard to tolerate at all, not adding a lot of stress to anything we're doing. But like I've said, toward the end of the week, I think as that warm, humid air starts to build in and as low pressure at least moves up into the Dakotas toward about Thursday afternoon, there'll be a small chance for a little pop-up scattered late afternoon shower or thunderstorm. You know, the kind you can see off to the west or here north sometime. That's about what it'll be. It may hit a few people. It may miss a whole lot of others. That small chance around late Thursday, Thursday evening. And then again, later Friday, a little more likelihood into the weekend as warm air builds in, a little more widespread rain becomes a possibility. I'll have those forecast details right after this. Farmers understand return on investment. They understand the power and the value of the sun. Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. This is just another opportunity for them to look for that power and that value. It's a business decision. Everything that farmers do and don't do on their land and their with their property is money. <laughs> so one of the things that I heard one farmer say, it's a crop that I am yielding. <laughs> uh, instead of harvesting corn on this little section, he's harvesting sunlight to make electricity. You should reach out to us, and we will come out there for a very specialized, specific quote for you to look at your farm. We can put solar anywhere. We can put it on a barn. We can put it on the ground. We can put it on a hill. (laughs) So we can put it anywhere that makes sense to you and your farm and your situation. And then once we design that, even powering your whole farm, you can harvest enough sunlight to have a $0 energy bill. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com to start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. All righty, Stu, let's uh, hear about a few more of those details. Well, they're very fine. Sunny skies today and very fine. Low to mid-80s, I'd say 82 eastern and southeast Wisconsin, maybe 84 or so at La Crosse. South winds about 5. We'll stay clear overnight. There may be a little patchy fog in western Wisconsin. We bottom out in the low to mid-60s. Southeast winds about 5. Back to a mostly sunny day for Wednesday. Low and mid-80s with southeast winds at 5. Thursday, sunny skies. That small chance of an afternoon pop-up shower or storm. But it does warm up mid to upper 80s, then 86 or 87 in western Wisconsin. Winds will be out of the south about 5. A chance of rain again later Friday afternoon, Pam, again in the upper 80s. And it just sounds like an August summer weekend is on the way. So that tropical, it's a tropical storm, right? That tropical storm, Fred, we were talking about? Yep. And does that look like it's going to impact us here in the mid-central portion of the United States? What, maybe end of the week, into next week? Further south, I think there'll be more effects because of Fred and heavy rains Mm -hmm. and the like. Some of that moisture may push up and cause that 
that little pop-up storm toward Friday afternoon, but okay. I think that might be about the, the most severe part of it we see. All right, we'll keep an eye on it. Good enough, we'll catch up with you tomorrow, buddy. See you later. All right, see you later. Stumach is our ag meteorologist with those kind of weather details that you're looking for. Speaking of details, don't forget John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, going to be our special guest this morning. He's already telling me that he's watching Tropical Storm Fred and also uh, the Pro Farmer Crop Tour. They wrapped up day number one yesterday, and uh, the market's paying attention to their numbers. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. We've been through a lot together. And if something's bothering you, remember that it's okay to not feel okay. You know what I think really helps? Talking to someone. (coughs) No, Fred, I mean a professional. Your next doctor's appointment is a great time to bring up anything that's on your mind. Your doctor will listen. Because providing safe care your way means caring about how you feel. Unity Point Health Meritor, a partner of UW Health. Know how much you matter to this world. Huh. Nice. Hardwood floor. Or is it? Sounds like a floor. It's not squishy. That's good. Floors aren't supposed to squish. Goes wall to wall, like good floors do. And I'm walking all over it. Usually, a dead giveaway that it's a floor. But it's not a floor. This is a mattress. Charlie Heidel's for 52 days. People like Charlie are scattered all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply nearly $400,000 in bedding, furniture, clothing, and household items to people like Charlie. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in food, shelter, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Hey, check the grill. The game's coming on. It's time to turn those Johnson sausage brats. And what a deal. You buy five packages at $6 each and you get a package free. Pick up burgers, roast, chops, and Wisconsin's finest cheese at Johnson's Sausage Shop in Ryle. They're perfect for cooking out or eating in. Add your favorite beer, wines, or liquor and eat deliciously. See johnsonsausage.com. Brats are ready. Johnson's Sausage Shop. Hit your camping season out of the park with Fathead's Country Campers. Fathead's lineup covers the bases with small, lightweight campers that you can pull with your SUV to toy haulers that let you load up the toys and head out into left field. Fathead's Country Campers doesn't play games. You'll get the best price on every camper, every time, with no hidden fees. Check them out just off I-94 in Lake Mills or at countrycampers.com. That's countrycampers.com. Attorney John Rihalot with Clifford and Rihalot discusses the value of a second opinion. Well, first off, it costs you nothing, and it could mean a much better result. Perfect example. An injured woman went to a different firm and started feeling that, somehow, she was being shortchanged. Her attorney told her, this is the offer from the insurance company. It's the best you're going to get. But she thought the insurance company's offer was unfair, so she called Clifford and Rihalot. My partner reviewed her case and told her she needed an attorney who was actually going to fight for her. She hired Clifford and Rihala, and we recovered a settlement nearly 10 times the amount her first attorney wanted her to take. We will work harder to get you the full settlement you deserve. Bottom line, 
If you've been injured and want full compensation, call us. For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys, fighting for you, for justice. MyJustice.com. Hey, I'm Haley Kiyoko, and I know what it's like to struggle with mental health issues. If you have a friend that's going through a tough time, now is the perfect moment to reach out. Learn how to start the conversation at SeizeTheAwkward.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and the Jed Foundation. Interest rates are at all-time lows, and home equity is at all-time highs. You know what that means? You can save big money by refinancing your mortgage loan. Whether you want to just save a few hundred dollars a month, consolidate some debt, or get money for home improvements, now's the time to call me. Educated Mortgage, your smartest way home. Call Dan, the Mortgage Man. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. Jack Cohn is indeed the starting quarterback for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Mm-hmm. Rowdy, that was like the worst kept secret of all time. You were the first one on this, Rowdy. was like, well, he wouldn't have gone there if he wasn't going to start. Yeah, of course. There's no way that Jack Cohn, a guy that that statistically was a top three quarterback in the Big Ten in 2019, was going to go transfer out of Wisconsin and go to another big, big-time program in Notre Dame and not no, start. Right. Yeah, that, that just would have been the dumbest business decision of all time if it happened. <laughs> uh, Jack Cohen obviously lost his starting job when he broke his foot uh, before the last, you know, abbreviated season. He broke his foot in practice, non-contact injury. Graham Mertz comes in, and then all of a sudden, I think it was the I was it the Iowa game where apparently Cohen had told the Kristen company that he wanted to transfer out, something like that. Yep. So Cohen now uh, said he's transferring out. He's going to Notre Dame. He's officially been named the starting quarterback. And Jack Cohen, I saw a lot of people saying, good riddance. Like, we didn't need you anyways, yada, yada, yada. I thought Jack Cohen was a pretty damn good quarterback for the Wisconsin Well, Badgers. yeah. I mean, I had no problem with him. And when he left, go do you. I mean, if if you were the starter, you got uh, you got Wally Pipped. He definitely got Wally Pipped. And, that, and just... Let the let the guy go. I mean, he did well here. It, it's not like he did anything bad. He's nothing but a team player, nice guy. Is always there to talk up everyone, right? And he he did that with Mertz. He, I mean, they Mertz talked about it. How we go, yeah, how over great plays. he was. We talk about this. We go over that. Um, but he found an opportunity to go to the school that initially recruited him. For lacrosse. For lacrosse. <laughs> and, Let's not forget that. And he's now the starter at Notre Dame. Uh, congratulations. Uh, it's one of those, I don't have any ill will towards him. Not at all. And, I'm and excited for know, September 25th. Yeah, there's one game this year. I hope he doesn't win as a starter. Rowdy, you had something to tip of your tongue? Well, yeah, I mean, pretty much all of the news I was seeing out of like Notre Dame camp from all summer 
was basically that Jack Cohn looked the best out of all the quarterbacks there. But then it would be like uh, Kelly would be coming out and saying, no, we like what we're seeing from our quarterbacks. We think each one brings a little bit of something different to the table and blah, blah, blah. But then all the other like writers were like, Jack Cohn's definitely the best one they got here. Yeah. And then finally he comes out and sends out some tweets and they announce that, hey, Jack Cohn's going to be the starter. But, I mean, for any Wisconsin Badger fan that's upset that – or, you know, happy that Jack Cohn is gone, I don't get it. Yeah. Because, I don't get it one, either. the guy probably sat a year longer than he should have. Yeah. With Alex Hornibrook being there and then absolutely sucking it up in 2018. And then, yeah, splitting that time. And the fact that he didn't go in earlier that season was ridiculous. And then when they finally did let him go in, those first couple games, they didn't let him be Jack Cohn. They basically were like, okay, you're going to run five-yard outs when you throw the ball or else you're going to hand it off to Jonathan Taylor and he's going to carry the team. And everyone's like, Jack Cohn stinks. Look at that. He can't even throw the ball that, 10 yards that down Northwestern the field. That Northwestern game. Northwestern, Purdue, those yeah. first couple games where he actually started. Yep. And then, for some reason, gets ripped off the field, and Alex Hornibrook goes back out there for a Minnesota game <laughs> in which the Badgers lose the axe for the first time in years. Yeah. And it was pretty evident there that you didn't need Alex Hornibrook on that field ever again no. because the offensive line didn't want to block at all. Correct. Correct. And then they throw Jack Cohn back out there for the Miami uh, Orange Bowl and, and again, goes, yeah. looked good. And then he rolls into 2019, wins the job, obviously, out of camp. And he was statistically the third best quarterback in great. the Big Ten that year. And that was behind some really good quarterbacks. Tanner yeah. Morgan. Now, I'm, I'm looking here at a Notre Dame publication, and I want to say thank you for thinking of us in this light, but uh, I have to fact-check them. They say in 2019, Cohn was efficient while leading Wisconsin to a 28-27 to Rose Bowl victory against Oregon. Thank you. Thank you for yeah, nice. thank you for thinking in your mind, Notre Dame, that Wisconsin did win that Rose Bowl because that, <laughs> <laughs> now Anthony Lottie lost that one for yeah, him. Rowdy, Rowdy. Rowdy's buddy. <laughs> it's it's incredible how a punter actually lost a lot of games for him that season. Yeah. yeah. One thing I will say. Which one did you like more, that one or the, uh, the Ohio State one? Define define like. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I will say, I, and so I don't thank know you for if that, I ended up forwarding the article to you because I can't even remember where I saw it. Was this over the weekend? No, no, no. This was a while ago. Sure she'll stop farming when pigs fly. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. No flying pigs in the forecast for today, but partly sunny skies. 83 are expected high, maybe a little warmer in the La Crosse-Eau Claire areas. Tomorrow, partly sunny skies and 85. Thursday, more sunshine in the forecast and 86 degrees. I'm Pam Youngke. Now, from the Alcivia Farm News Desk, here's what's happening on a Tuesday. So today is the 17th day of August. On this day in 1936, Wisconsin issued its first unemployment check. That's right. It was for a total amount of $15, and the recipient was Niels Rudd, who then sold it to Paul Rauschenbusch for $25 just for its historical value. That was on this day back in 1936. There's always an angle, isn't there? On this day in 2008, Michael Phelps earned his eighth gold medal in the 2008 Olympics, and that made him the most winningest gold medal winner that the United States has ever seen. 
a record previously held by American swimmer Mark Spitz. Phelps shattered that record on this day, 2008, with his eighth gold medal. Happy birthday to actor Robert De Niro. Guess how old he is? 78. Sean Penn, he's another one celebrating a birthday today, turning 61. And now you know. You know, the headlines that we've been seeing lately, especially from the western portion of the United States, are all about the lack of water, dry weather, and wildfires. Now, you may say, Pam, why are we talking about wildfires this morning? Well, guess what? There is an agriculture connection. Stephanie Hoff joins us this morning to bring the two pieces together and why the U.S. Department of Agriculture and those wildfires are tied together. Here in the Midwest, we're seeing the smoke from out west and up in Canada from raging wildfires. This year is projected to be the worst wildfire season. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report, and this is the word from Franklin Pemberton, the press officer for the U.S. Forest Service Eastern Region. That region covers from Minnesota to Maine and then down to Missouri and over to the Virginias. Franklin, what is the situation right now out west? Well, as you've probably been following in the news, it's um, probably the worst fire season on record this year. If not, it's going to be fairly closely, we suspect. We have 97 large fires nationally right now. So, you know, that's about 1.86 million acres. And there's approximately 21,500 firefighters assigned to those fires right now. And you said, you know, you're kind of directing all services out west uh, to meet that need. Well, we certainly try to give every firefighter in the eastern zone. So this is out here in the eastern region, which is from Minnesota to Maine, from Maine down to West Virginia, and then over to Missouri. So we are we're entrusted with about 12 million acres of national forest system lands. So we don't have a, a lot of fires in this region. We tend to be um, a little wetter than obviously out west. The firefighters we do have, uh, we use frequently to support our partners and, of course, helping out in areas as needed. So they're national resource. So we can shift those folks to fight fires wherever needed, and incidents of all types. So, yeah, we are shifting all of our folks that are available um, to the West to support that effort. How many people are you sending out West to help fight those fires? So this is not including all of our state partners or other federal agencies. This is just us in the U.S. Forest Service here in these regions. about 440, 450 people right now. What does it take to fight fires? I mean, what are the skills and the training that these rangers need? Yeah, so being a wildland firefighter is a, a very unique and I think a, a very um, satisfying occupation. It, it's a lot of work. So first off, you have to be very physically fit. Folks are carrying heavy packs, heavy boots, uh, hard hats, tools, and a lot of hiking. So, you know, this is um, hours of hiking in under very uh, rough conditions. So hot weather, steep terrain, typically smoky, dusty, um, it is, it's a, it's a very um, demanding environment, but, um, you know, it's also a very satisfying, very beautiful environment to be in. A, when I first started my career, I was a wildland firefighter and got to see some just amazing scenery. What about the equipment needed to fight wildfires? So, you know, here in the eastern region, a lot of our fires that we have are up in Minnesota, typically uh, in that wooded country in the north. But we do have fires down in Missouri and West Virginia. They, they can occur anywhere here in the eastern region. So 
you know, the, the equipment's pretty much the same here as it would be out west. So m- mostly the firefighters are using hand tools. So things like modified shovels, um, a tool called a Pulaski, which is like a axe with a hoe on the back. Chainsaws are always, of course, in use to cut through timber to drop timber that is burning. Uh, and then, of course, you move into things like water pumps and then backpack pumps. So these are pumps, bladder bags that firefighters can carry on their back. They have water pumps so they can actually draft out of small uh, creeks and streams to help put out fire with water. And then, of course, you move up to like fire engines and then helicopters and then, of course, fixed-wing aircraft. Can you give us an idea of just how much water is needed to fight a wildfire? I let people know, you know, the, the perception is that water puts out fire, and, that, and, that, and it can. But in the backcountry, that's a really difficult thing to do. If you've ever tried putting out your own campfire, you know, it's water, stir, water, stir. And I, have, and I tell people, you know, next time you put out a campfire that you, you have either on your property or the next time you're out camping, keep track of how much water it takes out a campfire. It's, a, it's quite a bit more than people think. So a lot of our firefighting tactics, it, it, especially in the backcountry, are dry firefighting tactics. So we remove the fuel from an area by putting in a containment line, which is typically a line that firefighters scrape down to the mineral soil around the fire. So it's a very uh, physically demanding, labor-intense process of actually removing the fuels away from the source of the fire. So you're basically creating a line of, of mineral soil or a fire-resistant so, um, line around the fire. You know, another question I'm getting is, how does smoke travel all the way to the Midwest when events are happening out west or in northern Canada? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, these fires, these larger fires can put smoke up to 20,000 feet, 30,000 feet up into the atmosphere you know, fires create a lot of convection, a lot of heat. So heat rises and it pushes that smoke very high up into the atmosphere. And then it drifts, of course, with our with the jet stream up over to us, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing amount of smoke. And if you've ever been out west during fire season, it can be incredibly smoky in the valleys. And, you know, that's kind of the residual from the smoke that goes up. Some of it kind of also falls down in the evenings. It's a it's a it's a very impressive amount of smoke that is generated from these fires every year. And if you did some just some Google searching, I think you would be pretty blown away with the amount of smoke and, and how far it goes, for that matter. I mean, it goes, in some cases, it goes all the way past us out towards Europe. There you have it, all things wildfires from Franklin Pemberton, the press officer for the U.S. Forest Service Eastern Region. At MidwestFarmReport.com, we've included the link to the National Interagency Fire Center. There you can find national statistics on wildfires and wildfire prevention. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. All business owners want the same thing, to make their business succeed. At Rural Mutual, they help that happen. As the third largest writer of commercial business in Wisconsin, they take the time to learn your business so they can properly protect you. Call your local agent today or visit RuralMutual.com. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's the grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for money-saving member benefits, like discounts on select Granger products and more. Get more details at WFBF.com. 
Thanks in part to some rain showers that moved across the state last week. Our corn and soybean ratings in Wisconsin have improved, according to the Wisconsin Ag Statistical Service. This week's crop progress report shows across the state 97% of our corn is already silking. 61% of the crop is in the doe stage. Corn condition rating this week, 80% good to excellent, three percentage points over last week. 97% of our soybeans are blooming, and it looks like 83% of the crop has already set pods. That's ahead of last year and ahead of our five-year average. 77% of our soybeans are called good to excellent, three points above last week. Markets in overnight electronic trade this morning are holding firm. Right now, we've got the September corn currently trading up three and three-quarter cents at 5.68.5. December new crop corn's up four, 5.72 and three-quarters. September soybeans are up seven right now at 13.83. November beans up seven and a quarter, 13.75.5. As far as wheat's concerned, the December contract's down a penny and three-quarters right now at 7.73 and a quarter. The dairy markets yesterday, barrel cheese gained three cents at a dollar forty eight. Forty pound black cheese, though, down two and a quarter at one seventy nine. Double A butter on Monday was up two cents at a dollar sixty nine per pound. John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, joining us live next. Wondering where you can hear how milk contracts are doing at this time of day? Wonder no more. The Midwest Farm Report will be back with a market update in just moments. Get insurance from a company who knows Wisconsin and cares about your community. You may know Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer, but did you know they also offer competitive home and auto rates? Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more about products and discounts. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's the grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for money-saving member benefits, like savings on select cat equipment and more. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. If you're talking, they will hear you every single time. Now we're getting killed. Yeah, well, Kyle's not here. How come? Kicked off the team. Didn't Tim tell you? Kyle and some other kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so... I... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. If you need to know about farming, then you need to know Pam Yonke. 
This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. All righty, they're starting day number two of the Pro Farmer Crop Tour 2021, and it is a newsmaker for a lot of different reasons. Joining us this morning is Market Advisor John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. You're keeping an eye on it like many. It doesn't really matter if you're on the tour. What did you notice from day number one, John? Well, the biggest thing we noticed, obviously, is uh, the comparison of East versus West. And that's what really I think this market's trying to figure out right now is, you know, we know we got problems in those northern plains and then into Minnesota. So we're going to get to see those numbers, maybe get up with some finally some boots on the ground. But does what, is, you know, is what is happening in Ohio, Indiana, as well as, you know, those areas, is that going to outweigh those uh, issues? So that's something the market's trying to balance out. Obviously, we saw some numbers come in last night. They were in South Dakota. You know, they came in with an average yield off, off all their polls at you know 151 that's obviously down significantly from last year's 179 number but then they go over into Ohio and they're got an average yield of 185 coming through from their samples yesterday up significantly from the 167 of last year so you know that's going to be the biggest thing as this thing comes together is just again the variability that's going to be out there and how that's going to kind of weigh into the marketplace you know obviously we saw a lot of adjustments last week in that USDA report so this really you know profile farmer as well as some of the other little tours that are going on out there are just kind of our first sample size of maybe what we can really see in terms of these actual numbers as we move further into the fall. Reflect on last week's USDA uh, crop update. I mean, it did provide us with some pop. Yeah, it did. And, you know, we had that big cut in the corn yield, 4.9 bushels per acre down to 174.6. That was a blow or above, excuse me, below the expectations of what the market was. We had a nice pop out of that day, but realistically, the price action has been pretty limited since then. You know, we got a couple other things that may be coming into play. We uh, heard a lot of producers pulled the trigger and we're selling a lot of bushels on that price move, you know, which is something I've been recommending as well here. Just an opportunity, you know, you picked up 20 cents. Let's get some more corn going in that regard if you got old crop here you go here's your last opportunity to probably get that moving in this window so i think that's weighed on the market plus just seasonality it's still an area here where corn prices as well as soybean and wheat prices tend to work lower and you know and you know, we're basically almost a full year or actually over a full year into this rally. So it might be just a time where this market just gets a little tired despite the positive news and this you know, prices just see, can't seem to find any traction we don't talk often about wheat. That is uh, kind of one of those that we should be paying more attention to. Yeah, it has been. And if you haven't been kind of in, in the wheat market, it's been red hot. We've had a lot of issues happening outside of the United States. The USDA report definitely confirmed some of those things, as well as we saw global wheat supplies come in way below expectations. And and then at the same time, it, you know, wheat's one of those crops where you got the exporting countries and the importing countries and where the stockpiles are. And those exporting country stockpiles are fairly tight right now. And so we've seen the wheat prices really take off. Actually, the European uh, milling wheat, we call the Matif wheat has gone to new contract highs here recently. That's helped pull the U.S. wheat markets up as well. Plus, just obviously what's going on with our spring wheat crop here. Uh, and we're also watching what's happening with the higher protein wheat, such as the winter wheat market, as we've seen the Russian crop come down in terms of some of its uh, projections as well. So that's really what's been leading this market. And realistically, with the way the market acted on the report day, corn probably would have fell back to negative territory if it wasn't for the fact that wheat was holding a 25 cent gain. Now, we've kind of peaked out here a little bit. Wheat's actually down fairly strongly on the overnight session. So I'm, you know, wheat's one of those products, when it wants to move, it moves very quickly because they use it back and forth in spreads. 
So they'll unwind the spread and sell wheat off. So, but with that though, the wheat market right now could be something that could stay as a leader if the news lines uh, kind of keep pushing it that way. Let's talk about 2022 then, because if you're watching wheat, you see that that price stays fairly robust all the way into 2022. Is it pulling corns and beans higher? Do I take action now? You know, I've been talking to a lot of producers about what we see in terms of 22 for both corn and, and especially that wheat market. You got July wheat pushing well into the you know mid seven dollar level yesterday. July wheat seven thirty three today. You know, that's a great starting point to get when you start putting seven dollars on the board. And, and same thing with corn. We're pushing the five fifteen five twenty window here on these twenty two corn. You know, I know everybody's optimistic that you know, we might have tighter supplies and we can see how things shake out, but we just don't know what's going to happen. In terms terms of the global news front, as well as, you know, what happens with COVID and the variant that we're dealing with, things of those nature out there. When you've got opportunity like this, you need to get the toe in the water, whether you do some cash sales and just lock in that price, maybe with a hedge to arrive type contract. Put strategies are a little difficult because of the time and the cost in them, so it's probably just better off getting a sale going. And the 516 and 733 are your starting points, and they're your worst sales for the year. Dog on it. Yeah, exactly. Let's pivot and talk protein real quick here, John. And uh, John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, joining us live this morning. A beef market has been one that you've focused a lot of attention on. Yeah, we've been watching this retail sector really explode in terms of the choice uh, carcasses, select carcasses. The retailers have really been bidding into the market. We do have actually have a tighter supply window here. Maybe some of this is tied to the Delta variant of COVID as well. Maybe there's just some concern that, you know, if this continues to grow, that we see some tightness in the supply lines. A lot of it to me is just the fact that we can't kill over 120,000 head a day, and we're just kind of backing things up in that regard. And it's just, uh, there's some good demand out there. We saw choice carcasses close about three 27 yesterday the high last spring when things were really rallying was all the way up to 340 so a little bit of a counter seasonal rally there with that cattle prices yesterday closed right at the top of the range we're either at the stage we're going to break this thing out and add some real good value fairly quickly um, or we're peak out here so i'm a little cautious with that i'm talking with producers too you know i'm looking out into the spring we got a lot of value on the board that's you know historically high you know april cattle right now at 141 that's a heck of a price to get things moving and to get things thinking about that far out, you know, whether you're using put strategies or locking in with the plan and then make sure you somehow keep the top side open because, again, we just don't know how things are going to shake out with those tighter cattle numbers as we move into next year. Uh, but, again, there's good value on the board right now, and we're at a price point here with both lives and feeders where we've had good rallies, and if we don't get any higher, things could roll over pretty quickly just because of the way that market likes to trade. John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of 